0: Welcome to the Deschooling Dialogues. This podcast is a co-creation of Culture Hack Labs and Cosmos Journal. Culture Hack Labs is a not-for-profit consultancy that supports organizations, social movements, and activists to create cultural intervention for systems change. You can learn more at culturehack.io. Post-production is made possible by dedicated supporters of the Cosmos Journal mission: transformation in harmony with all of life. You can find out more at cosmosjournal.org. I'm your host, Alnur Lada. In this episode, I meet with Tiokasin Ghost Horse. Tiokasin is a Lakota elder. He is the founder and host of First Voices Radio that has been running for 31 years, the first uh, native-only radio show in Turtle Island. He is also the founder of the Akantu Institute. He's a dear mentor, older brother, friend, ally, teacher, and elder. So I'm excited to have him here. On this episode of Deschooling Dialogues,
1: welcome Tiokasin. Thank you so much for asking me.
0: Yeah, we are meeting here in Kingston, in upstate New York, where Tiokasin does not live too far away. And I wanted to start with just a, a general introduction to, you know, not not the traditional biography necessarily, because I know that would make him uncomfortable, but to say the the inquiries you've been walking with. And how you find yourself here in this uh, historical civilizational crossroads we find ourselves in.
1: Well, you know, Eleanor, thank you for that, and thank you for for this honor to be on the schooling dialogue. And I think about this, you know, how we give give praise, we give credit to that language that controls us. So we say, "Well, the moon, you you were meant to be here, like the moon, the sun, and the stars, right?" So that's a one-way street. But in in from where I think is that the moon, the sun, and the stars meant for me to be here. You see, and it changes everything. And I think that's part of the de schooling is how we perceive this binary language that it's a destiny, um, even fate. We have no choice when 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 chance is totally organized. And so we work out of that spirit of being where we are, being present. I cannot be in the future and in the past at the same time, yet I can be. And that's where the word account to earth being an ancient future now. And this is, as far as we know, as Lakota is a 200,000-year-old dialogue with earth. And where our thoughts come from, the 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 listing underneath from, from the earth. And it's where our thoughts come from because we're made up of that same composition.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Part of the inquiry of these schooling dialogues is an acknowledgement of this current moment that we're in. I know the Hopi would call this the time of the sixth sun or the Iroquois, the prophecy of the uh, of the seventh fire And the Vedic tradition would say, this is the Kali Yuga, this is the Dark Ages. Alchemical tradition would say, we're in the underworld now. What do we need to understand about this current context in time? And what habits, practices, behaviors, cultural norms do we need to unlearn?
1: Well, that's a good question. There is no beginning and there will be no end to this and is to put ourselves in context of being here in a spatial atmosphere, so to speak, not a temporal. And we're not in rhythm with the earth, so our languages are not in rhythm with the earth. We come up with climate change, and some people, that was caused by racism, was caused by all these isms that civilization can come up with. But well when you bring that climate change to native people, we're going, what is that? It only speaks of being out of rhythm and out of understanding. We're still expecting to adapt Earth to our needs. And there's no contemplation about how much did we take from Earth are we extracting from the Earth, or even learning to respect it in in, in ceremony. So we revert to we revert to ritual. And we cannot practice rituals; we have to live ceremony. And so, this way, ceremonies is constantly in the language. I'd say maybe three quarters of Lakota, old Lakota, is ceremonial creation within almost every word. And when you get to that dialoguing with earth, you understand that relation, the relational value of these languages. How we learn and I I like the fact that you're a Sufi because you would understand this, that our values, which I can't name all numerically right now, but those values we learn in silence. We can't instruct them. We can't point at them, but we understand the energy of it. And such is that this is how we keep who we are because we know what we've learned in the Western society is only a coat or the colonial coma, as our friend Kranach would say. And so it's up to us to look at this colonial dispensement that we all have. We go to the clothing store, we put on the airs of, I have a PhD, I have this and this and this, and it works in this that world. But does, it, does it work with the natural world? Where is the natural being these days? you know so when i think about unlearning it's easier for me because i come from that base not something that came on the ships where i was forced to 2000 years ago 3000 years ago when that you know all the the un on the, on the, the war happened against the earth to begin there by separating humans from the earth and so we continue to speak that language and I think part of that is learning that history, as I have, to understand what went on with them, that they had to jump on a ship and bring the pain without understanding the pain. Mm -hmm.
0: And so, partly what you're saying is to, in order to de-school and unlearn, we first actually have to understand the impoverishment of the time and the moment we're in, but also who your people are. <clears throat> what culture are they coming from? And and so when you say uh, the, the people who came off the ships, you're, you're talking about uh, what Stephen Jenkinson would call the spiritual orphans of the West. Those who came from Western Europe uh, as part of the conquistador colonial imperialist project, uh, most of whom were not themselves uh, sort of the the direct frontline troops of the English or the French or the Spanish or what have you, but were the the kind of uh, undergirth, the the so-called citizenry pushed to repopulate the, you know, badly named uh, New World, (laughs) quote-unquote.
1: It's like looking west, and maybe for them it's the right direction to the promised land, but the path they took was the wrong one. And so you need to back up on that path. And you can picture this. You can picture this. It's beyond metaphor. But if you understand the energy of this language that I'm speaking, that we're speaking now, it's, it's wasteful. The language looks at almost everything as having a waste, a conflict, and antagonism, at war with itself. Dou- self-doubt needs, um, how do you say, self-esteem, therapy, and yet, which which being, as we know, as Makaina, has always had confidence in you, and she has no self-esteem, and so from from that viewpoint, we saw the people needing that self aggrandizement as the the you know as the language comes from, I, me, my, mine, and ours. That came over. We didn't understand that but well, we could see it in more of a whole. So we stepped back and watched it happen, and we understood that these people were spiritually starving because they brought religion, science, and authoritative stances and everything that they could come and conquer. Well, now it's reversing itself. <clears throat> so when I when I talked about this, how do you say this... Um, Immunity,
0: oh, The autoimmune the phase auto, of the Anthropocene. This so. this
1: autoimmunity, this language, it's eating itself. At, and this comes true with Sitting Bull. Now, I'm going to repeat what I heard when I was very young as best as I can. What happened is Sitting Bull saw, <clears throat> he saw this this thing that he couldn't figure out what it was. And it kept eating very many little white packages, eating the land. And he couldn't understand it. And it turned out to be covered wagons, eating the land. And then it, it ran out of land to eat. And so when it turned on itself, which it's doing now, and the I can say the date that I know in my lifetime is 1992, 500 years after, that this, thing, this white package, what eats itself are parasites, and what eats itself, as we could understand then, was maggots. So this, this attitude, these ideas, this language is eating itself. That's what I mean by autoimmune language.
0: And so maybe as we're talking about the the kind of unlearning aspect, uh, you could give us a contrast with, for example, Old Lakota. Uh, from what I've learned from you, uh, Old Lakota is a language based on verbs, on action, and is therefore inherently animistic and alive versus the kind of dead, inert language of uh, objectification and nouns and the thingification that is in English in in addition to what you said this is this binary oppositional uh, kind of reductionist language. But there's something core to old Lakota that uh, you've spoken about before, which is that the the learning and the unlearning and the wisdom is in the very language itself as a living entity.
1: It's like speaking a common sense language that misses when I talked earlier about cultural diversity, well, it the reason why we are resistant, not, more or less resilient is that we know where the power, the oracle is. And to walk with that with, as you see would say, dignity, but to, to walk with the earth on beneath your feet, stars above and, and, and these pictures, these, these ideas, that this energy is to understand what we are saying. So when we speak that this language, is that you understand the energy, you describe the energy, and then you understand the motion of the energy. And and that's all you need. And that comes without conceptual thinking. Because it's the feeling that's there, that's present. And with your present with the feeling, you can see everything. Like, like one of the ancestors said, the, the center of the universe is everywhere. So you have quantum quantum physics within the language that helps you go outside of the box of conception. The box that I describe as, you know, the beginning and the ending, the superior, inferior, the cause and effect. Those are very right angled thinking or thought processes. And so if you have verbs, it's always a continuum. And in order to have to be in the continuum, you need the verbs to see where you are in the present, always, and to understand the energies are beyond just material world realm, and the the dimensions that we see. You really can see them. You can listen to the plants. You can hear their music. Everything, but you have to be the la- in the language. We just can't say, "Oh, I hear plants," and it, you know, and and just kind of like. Tongue in cheek philosophy says you really can. We've known this. We know that trees communicate. We've known that before books were written. We known we we've known about the the mushrooms. You know we've known about this, but that's the slower learning process. So it'll be easier for me to unlearn, take the coats off, because the process of learning is slow. It's not. Like you say, quick, you go to class, you got it, you come back for another and you need to get your degree. Saying you know something, but that's only survival in this society. Mm-hmm. So I think part of that is using this language that we're speaking less and understanding the energy that we're feeling that has no expression in this language.
0: Mm-hmm. Beautiful, thank you. And another aspect then around de is maybe private property, right? And all of our conceptions of ownership, which are also related to language, right? Mine, uh, me, is the, the, the egocentric language that is sort of core to the, the Eurocentric approach. Um, maybe you could say something about the dissolution of these abstract ideas uh, that have so much material Influence like our, our laws are just essentially built around the protection of private property mm-hmm. for a gentry class of historically, you know, white Christian males.
1: Wow. Well, from what I understand of the of this history of the West, how how ownership got here, is that we have it now. We have it in our colonized view as native people, because we have to survive in it. So everything is moving in that direction, and that's a loss to cultures of Earth. Civilizations—you can have one that I spoke at, spiritual civilization. I don't know if there's something like that. There's religious civilization, but spiritual, spiritual spirituality to me is always has culture, the culture of spirit, you know, and spirit defines that culture, and therefore these words are not mine. It's the message behind that. Um, Silence, again, is the biggest decoder, the master of unlearning, because you get to feel what you're thinking, not conceive what you think you're thinking, if that makes sense. So this is why ceremony is part of that unlearning, as you know. It's unlearning, seeing, perceiving, not even questioning because that question deserves an answer, so to speak. It's that accepting, without allowing that answer to over overwhelm you, like heaven and hell. Right? Very dualistic thinking. So, is silence is the biggest healer? Silence is something that is all around you. Swim in it every day, like intuition. Intuition is the language of silence. Mm-hmm.
0: Say a little more about about your conception of intuition because I think this is also, of course, core to the the de-schooling, right? We've formalized our abstract thinking and then we've married that with vocation where the entire point of education is to get a job to be a cog in the capitalist machinery. And so what is the role of intuition as part of our, uh, let's say, initiation into at least attempts at a wisdom culture?
1: Common sense culture, I would say, right? Um, so intuition, at least to me, my my thought process is, is it's a being. How are we treating intuition? By saying it's a hunch, it's a it's a it's a guess, it's a gut feeling. It's very disrespectful when we look at it that way, or we roll the dice. Um, intuition already knows where it needs to be. Doesn't cost anything, right? It's totally free, and when you're free, all dimensions are available. And so, where's the language to describe that free, the being intuition, and in comes the human being that has not has no longer know, known how to be a human being, but has become a human doing that they do so many things that they forget the essence of the silence that they were born from, into, and will go out of this dimension in, is to understand that peace with earth is peace-honored. And it's simple. That's what I could come up with. Peace with earth is peace-honored. Now, to have an answer for you, Elnor, the spirits have to tell you this. It doesn't mean I'm a shaman or spiritual guru or anything like that a medicine person i'm just a regular being with common sense and when you're in that place when you see the light beyond what you can describe with the words of this language even my language is that we are out of rhythm with nature so much that we have to call nature nature or you say gaia i say mother earth which is not really what makaina means in fact, it's beyond that description of this language. So we have a lot of work to do to de- de- unlearn, to de-school, to unwestern, to take the Kwanak again, to unlearn, to to wake up from the coma.
0: Yeah. So let's say uh, maybe this is the the last question because I want to honor your time. The a, a Westerner saying, "Okay, well." I understand what you're saying around uh, silence, around uh, intuition, around language, but I need to put food on the table and uh, put my kids to school and play my role in the machinery of capitalist modernity. Mm -hmm. What would you say to that person?
1: I would say how much do you want to participate in giving yourself away? There is no word of sacrifice. It's that which gives itself to you is a sacrifice. <clears throat> we are taught that, again, we don't lead, we don't follow, we walk with, which is sacrificing to us. And so we have to always treat that in a ceremony. Everything is a ceremony to us. So is a language. And when I think about, yeah, I have to drive a car to get here. I have to have food. And we are taught to ask in this society. Basically, beggar's language. A language of scarcity. But on the other end is, well, you must speak a, a language of abundance. That's not it. That's the other opposite of scarcity. So, it is just what it is. What do you need today? Because the future will always, if you understand today, the future will always be available as well as the knowledge of the past. And I think that's where... We have to decode our own thinking and get away from the ego, as you understand, the identity that we're supposed to have within the survivor language. This is a survivor's language that we're speaking, whereas you can't speak this way in, in old Lakota. You can't speak a survivor's language because that's based on fear. And if, we're, if you consider fear a being then you also understand how this society understands it dualistically. Mm -hmm. Mm
0: -hmm. There's a a line that has come to me uh, a couple of times in in meditation and ceremony, which is, uh, trust is the ultimate suicide pact with the universe. You have to be able to stand at the edge of consciousness and be willing to fall and know that you will be caught. Love that. And even the relationship with scarcity and abundance and money, it's like part of a spiritual practice that I know I will be provided for if I am in resonance with the desires of Mother Earth, Pachamama, Gain, Hole, whatever you want to call it. But that requires a belief in something bigger than you. Mm -hmm. And institutional religions of the West, uh, the corporate capitalist structures, uh, the political leaders, the media they've hollowed out that relationship they've said trust us right academia science we know the answer to everything we'll get the grand unifying theory of everything here's why you're doing what you're doing here's where we're going here's the capital t truth on the human experience in all the ways historically cognitively neuroscientifically uh, you know physically metaphysically and so this monopoly has mediated our relationship with something bigger than us to trust and to be in service to. And that, that gap requires some bridging. And um, we, we're at this, the, the, the kind of spiritual orphans on one side of this vast chasm with no bridge. And maybe you could leave us with, what does that bridge look like? Is there even a bridge? Uh, is there a way to build that bridge? Is there something in we, we can do in our bodies to start even attempting to conceive of the bridge?
1: There is no bridge. Mm-hmm. If you're in it, you're understanding your place, that you're like you were meant to be here. That sounds so cliche. But wana, wana means now and, and, and like we say, taku kashka, which means. The spirit, behind the spirit, behind the spirit, behind the spirit. It's like dimensional effects that we have. Where does your energy go when you speak? It just doesn't stay right here. It goes out. Technically, this broadcast, spiritually, energetically, it it always moves. And it always, you identify that, if you understand that, The continuum, not of time, but the continuum of motion and energy is that's where it comes from. So if we understand that I am not the message, but the message that I carry is bigger. And that's why I think First Voices Radio is because it's always been about the message that it goes. And somehow I I don't see how did it keep going with no funding, blah, 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 you know?
0: And you're not planning for that.
1: No, I'm not planning for it. I just want to be here because that's the message, to be here.
0: So, and and I love that you're just so direct about it. There is no bridge, but there is an awareness of consequence. Mm. And if we are aware of consequence in the present moment and anchored in the present moment and in place, then we can actually deepen our practice of trust. Yes.
1: Yes. Mm. Because the earth trusts you to give to you air, water, food, comfort, all of that. And you see that, that overwhelms all the discomforts. And we need to be between those quote-unquote dimensions or world to understand the mystery that it already understands us. The trees acknowledge us when we walk in the forest. We don't go to nature. Nature is in us. So we never separate it. We don't have to build bridges. We don't have to connect because we're in relationship. We're in dialogue. We're in conversation all the time with everything that we know atomically down to the whatever neutron is that everything is alive. We've known that way before science, Western science came here. And to lose that means that we're going to have to give up our relationship with nature. And the quick fix- fixes that are coming, you know, that are here now, have to be proved by, proven by science. And we just kind of sit back because we know that we have the time, so to speak. So patience is one of the virtues that you learn in silence. It's not taught. You learn it
0: beautiful i think that's a great place to end thank you so much tokesen for your time for your eldership for the way you walk in the world and all that you do
1: uh, honored honored always Eleanor thank you so much for this it's good good to be here doksha ake watching watching telo
0: i can't do